podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest. I've actually been a fan of her music for quite some time. She's performed at Seattle Sound Off. She's worked with tons of my favorite artists, as well as some previous podcast guests. I'm excited to learn more about her. It's my pleasure to introduce Talia. Hey, y'all. What's up? Hell I'm on yeah. the NAS podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it right. Talia. Not... Yes. How many people say Talia? Everyone. Okay. <laughs> I usually get Talayla. That's usually the first. Then it goes to Leah and then whatever else they can come up with. That's not my name. And what's with the like the period at the end of your name? Um, I couldn't really figure out what else. And it's like I would tell people, oh, my name is Talia. And they'd say, Talia what? And I'm like, period. Like, there's <laughs> nothing else. And then it just became a thing. So really? that's kind of what it is. People yeah. said, what? <laughs> what's They're else? like, what else? I'm like, what do you mean, what else? You don't ask that to like Adele or right anyone else <laughs> so i'm like now you know there's a period nothing else yeah it's it's very <laughs> unique it's add, add some pizzazz to that yeah some pizzazz <laughs> my name's an acronym you know so it's, <laughs> no one's asked me what what else for me so i don't know <laughs> who knows so how long have you been part of the seattle music scene oh man i'd say going on Year is it? It's 2021. I started in 2017. So, okay. and then professionally, I would say 2018, 2019. So, two to four years. We'll we'll give it that mm. range. And then, what was your like introduction to Seattle? My introduction. Well, I was born and raised here, mm-hmm. so I've been here all my life. But um, what I part, was, by the way? Uh, what part? Yeah, Rainier Beach area, okay. South so, Seattle. Where you still live in that area? Yes, okay. and I'm still there. Yeah. Um, I was a dancer first. I danced for a company called Northwest Tap Connection, and so mm. I was a tap dancer. Okay. And so I got introduced to music that way, and um, I just realized later on in life that I liked the music more than the dance, per se. Um, so I did the residency, which is like, <gasps> oh. yes, the youth group made by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Um, I did the writer's camp, and then I did the production um side of it and that's when I was like oh yeah I want to do this started producing my friends were like hey can you record me too and I was like I guess <laughs> so and that it just all I just did everything so, I could so break down the residency for I think this is one of the they're coming back in person now right last year was like over zoom or something it was yeah it was virtual I mean I, I'm, I'm an alumni so I don't know the details but um I'm, I'm sure they are probably coming back in person um but basically it's like an intensive and when I did it, it was four weeks, and the last week was like a business track. And basically, every day you get to get together with a bunch of kids and write, make beats, learn like the music industry, learn how to really hone your craft and start like basically your own music business, however you see fit. And did you know how to like write any music before you even were part of it, or did you learn everything like there at that program? I learned the workflow of everything there. I did. I was making music prior to that, but it was very minimal. I think I made like one little song and I put it on SoundCloud, like mm. nothing serious, and it was horribly recorded. <laughs> um, but when I got there, I learned. I and I also did a little bit of college during 2018, so one year after I joined. So those two things sandwiched together really kind of helped me take it more seriously and realize I could like do it for real. Oh, do you go to school for like music? Or? I went to, I went, did one semester at Bellevue College and hey, then I dropped out. <laughs> I did, th- I did 30 minutes. That's nice. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that sometimes that's all you need a little half hour, you know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do college. I told, me I told Mira that too, you know, yep. like she said she went for like a quarter or so. Yep. <laughs> same, same here. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> did, did, did you, uh, Rainier Beach is like known for sports. Do you do any sports in 
school? Heck no. I went to Renton High School. So oh. um, I lived in Rainier Beach when I was a kid, and then I moved to Renton, and then I went to school in Renton, and then I moved back to Rainier Beach. And my grandma lived there, so I was always kind of back and forth between Seattle and Renton. Um, but no, I was like an ASB kid. I was like the president of my oh, school, God. vice Nerd. president. Yeah, I was one of those. <laughs> it's kind of lame. I know. Like, I feel like a lot <laughs> of uh, athletes, especially in high school, want to like, pick up music for some reason that's like a new thing i feel like they're okay. like oh i want to be a rapper too you know like how some nba players like start getting in the studio because they have money and you're just mm -hmm. like what's happening here <laughs> i didn't know who tiana taylor was married to, to really? until like yesterday what yeah iman shumper he's crazy he's, he's, an, so he's a rapper too i didn't realize that. yes is he still in basketball though or i believe so i'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure he's like active i yeah. think and he's not he's not too bad at rap and he was on this um cypher with <laughs> travis thompson that's oh, yeah? how i learned who he was nice yeah he's good i think he's great yeah and then there's a uh, like Damian Lillard raps. Mm -hmm. and, yep, he raps too. But I don't know if there's any WNBA people who like seeing a rapper. Listen, I am not the one to know about sports. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> so you performed. Like, what is your, how did you get part of like Sound Off? Was that from the residency? No, I just applied. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> applied. And then they were like, You're picked. And I was like, Okay. So, and then that happened. Um, it was good. I was really nervous. And I wish I had a band at the time, but I honestly just didn't know anyone young that could like be in a band with me. All the mm. musicians I knew were like in their 30s or like church musicians. So, yeah, a lot of artists actually this year turned 30. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's interesting. Hmm. Like I've had like, I don't know, at least 10 artists on That's in the a lot past. of people. Yeah, a lot of people are turning old. Dang. <laughs> They're in their prime. I, I think it's a new decade, a new. Awakening. Yeah. That's what I've, I've been told that actually like a lot of artists in the industry, the ones that are successful, they're when they're starting out, like, you know, when like their first debut album comes out. Yeah. Especially lately, they're actually uh -huh. like late 20s, yeah. early 30s. That's very true. But for some reason, like in locally, at least people feel like if you're 30, you're old or whatever. Yeah. So I don't I don't know why there's a, that disconnect, but also could just be <laughs> Seattle, you know? I think that's everywhere, though. Honestly, I think hmm. we, especially here in America, like we have this idea that in your, your youth, you should be in your prime. Like 25 is when you should have everything together. But like our brains literally don't stop growing until like 24. So yeah. how could you say that? You know, like you're just leaving adolescence. So I was just talking to my grandma. I went out to <laughs> dinner with my grandma. <laughs> so sweet. And she was saying that she's probably 70 I don't, okay. I don't know i don't want to date my grandma but, um <laughs> she was saying that when she was growing up in college that's when you were supposed to meet like your significant other yeah that was like a thing and i don't that's I don't, not a thing anymore no, it's not, <laughs> it's some, really people, not. some people don't even want to go to college or so it's like everything is different so 30 is not 30 must probably like 40 years ago was probably older yeah. than it is now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because also we were expected to like get a job at 18 and then just work for the rest of your life. So if you're working every single day, a nine to five, some, especially something you don't want to do, by the time you get to 40, of course, you're going to feel old, you know. Yeah. But if you're doing what you want to do, you're you're thinking in the mindset of like, wow, I have so much time to do even more than I've already done. So what I'm kind of confused about is like, you know how kids like like always people are complaining about like how the internet is making kids like mature too fast like, yeah they're 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 watching everything and mm -hmm. consuming everything but then when you think about it probably like my great grandma she had her first kid when she was like 
12. You know what I mean? So, so I feel like... It's when, double standard. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you feel more... Wouldn't those people will be seen more mature than people now who are like kids who are kind of just following the internet? Or? You would think, but I also feel like... Well, I feel like both of those things are not good. <laughs> I don't think anyone should have a child at 16 or super young, you know, when they're not ready. Um, before they're an adult, I don't think they should have kids. But also, I don't think we're made to, like, consume this much information all at once. Like, mm. if you think about it, back then, your only source of news was the television or the newspaper. So you had two places and maybe eight channels that you could get different bits of information. Now we have access to everything yeah. at once, all the time. On, like, like, we have... It's just crazy, and I feel like that's not good either. We're so. acting like we're age historians, but we probably definitely are not. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so don't take any of this as fact. <laughs> this is just observation. I, like I keep thinking, saying twenty years ago, ago was long ago, but no. that was like two thousand. Two thousand. <laughs> so that's not that old. That's long not ago at all. a long time. So tell me about how you got started working at a recording studio. Like that's really cool oh, to like. I, I'm trying to find artists who have been able to like do their craft and work something that like pushes their craft forward so right now I'm in a position where like I'm doing podcasts and producing podcasts Mm -hmm. but then I find myself with like all this spare time and I reach out to my artists yeah (laughs) that's a good thing that's a good problem to have (laughs) but I'll I'll, like reach out to my artist friends and stuff and like I said a lot of people are like 30 yeah they'll be like what are you talking about I have to like watch my kid or I have a a nine-to-five job right like who where are the people that are like nobody does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like, where are these people that are like me who are able to fund their craft through doing other things that are like music related or if, if they're not in music, whatever yeah, other. Totally. Um well I guess to answer your question, I would say do everything. <laughs> like <laughs> literally everything that it falls underneath the bubble of whatever you're doing. So if you're doing music, if you're a singer, do everything. Just learn everything. And I think you will find your niche and you'll find different avenues within your niche that you can monetize in order to fund what you really want to do. So um, I've always kind of put my artistry on the back burner in my mind because I'm thinking, okay, I need to eat. How am I going to do that? (laughs) I know how to record. And I mean, when I, okay, let me back up. So when I started at a studio, first I was in my mom's basement. I was just like on Instagram. And I've always just since the beginning used my Instagram kind of as a business page, like a way to network, a way to meet people, know who's who, keep up with my friends. Um, and I recently had gotten on Twitter at that time. Mm. And I just put out a feeler of like, hey, does anyone need engineering assistance? And this guy who, his name is Lewis, love him, shout out to Lewis. Shout out Um, Lewis. (laughs) Shout out to the Truth Studios. Um, He was like, come to this jam session. And I was like, I don't know who you are. That has nothing to do with my post, but okay. So (laughs) um, I came to the jam session and it was at Mead Street, which is in Columbia City. Had no idea it was there. I'd driven past it all my life and it's fairly new. It's only about four years old now. Um, but I came in and it was just, it was incredible. They were playing the cello and singing songs and it was a jam session. And I kept coming back. And one of the people that run the studio, it's community led. Um, they were like, do you want to work here? And I was just like, yes. The first time going there? The second time, (laughs) which is not much better. Um, but if it helps, um, I, they had at that time, 
and this is also a podcast. The jam session is called Broke Speakers. Okay. So you can listen to it. It's completely improvised, unrehearsed, and we make like entire songs for like six hours. Oh, and you're on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every week we all go and it's like a group of artists and we, we go and we jam and we make music. Oh, so it's a collective. Yes. Okay. Basically. Yeah. It's a collective. And um, the podcast is squashed down into like a listenable format and then songs are chosen and put on and so you can listen to it. Um, anyway, so yes, I went to the podcast and at the time they were doing interviews at the end of the jam session. And so they were like, hey, T, do you want to be interviewed? And I was like, yeah, this is so much to take in, but okay. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, once they were like, oh, okay, you use Ableton, you're an engineer. Okay, do you want to work here? And then I was like, heck yeah. So. But did you even know you were an engineer at that point? I Yes, I did. Okay. I was, that's when I was recording in my mom's basement. Mm -hmm. And at that time I had been doing it for maybe five months. I had like two or three clients. So oh. I was kind of feeling my way, still figuring it out. Um, I was actually doing a lot of performances during that time. I had quit my job that summer. What so job I, was that? Taco Time Northwest. Shout out Taco Time. Not shout out Taco Time. I can't stand them. I've never had Taco Time. <laughs> Good. Don't eat it. <laughs> it is super gentrified American, Mexican, not even Mexican. I'm not even going to call it Mexican food. I don't know what I it bet is. You could, I bet you'd, if you were still working there, you'd be probably one of those, one of those like TikTok people who are like, this is what yep, actually happens. This is how you make the beef. <laughs> I'm telling y'all everything. It's dead cat or something <laughs> crazy. Fortunately, most of their food is real. Almost pretty much all of it. It's more real than Taco Bell, but it's so expensive. It's ridiculous. And it's not even like real. It's like it's like the McDonald's of Mexican food, in yeah. my opinion. I like a, I like Taco Del Mar. That's the fastest <laughs> I'll get with Mexican food. I feel like they're affiliated, but I don't know. I don't even, oh. I don't know. Have you had Taco Del Mar? Maybe once. You know, it has like the fish mascot with the sunglasses. Oh, man. I've, I've seen them. I don't think I've ever been in one. Mm, their burritos are to die for. Really? It's like uh, Jimmy Jimmy John's of burrito. <laughs> Jimmy John's. <laughs> but yeah, I worked there for like two years. I was a shift leader. They were shipping me around. I was like, oh, no, we're not doing this. I was coming up with songs on my break. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. And even during that time, I was performing and I saved up a little bit. But when I quit, I just felt like it was time, you know, and I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to trust God and see what happens this fall. And performing is what got me through it. And I was still living with my parents. So that helped um, definitely, too. But once I so, yeah. And then once I so I switched and I started working at Meat Street was very confused for like three months. Mm -hmm. I literally didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of like. Just trying, you know, just trying to figure things out. I couldn't even like make beats or anything because I was so overwhelmed and kind of frustrated with my lack of musical knowledge. Um, but Wait, I, so they I, hired you as a producer or what did they? No, they just gave me access to the studio. They were just like, come in whenever. Okay. And then we kind of found our schedule. So they'd be like, OK, Thursday, 10 to 5 is your time. So that's kind of how it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started meeting people there. And Noah, shout out to Noah Coinflip. That's my guy. Um, he sent me some beats. And those were the first beats I got from like a producer I knew. Um, and they were just incredible. It was like real instruments. And that's what I've been looking for for so long. And then I started working on my album. And then it all kind of just kept going from mm -hmm. there and you've released two albums so far correct? yes one ep and one lp if you will yeah, what are the, can you break down the differences between those real quick yeah an ep is um extended play so basically four to seven songs is considered an ep and a, um lp i think it's long play i don't even know the acronym but i know <laughs> <laughs> that the only difference it's not necessarily an album because um it's basically like an official mixtape 
kind mm-hmm. of is what it is. Sponsored it's, by Gangster Grills. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's not as serious as an album, like, because an album usually means that there's like concepts and there's music videos and there's a lot of like press and things behind it. But an LP is really just like a collection of songs that is just what it is. So are you so. waiting to drop a debut album then? I mean, like I said, my artistry has always kind of been on the back burner. So mm. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Honestly, I am, I'm definitely creating new music and I want to continue um that creative spirit I feel like I had with my recent project, Existential Soul, um, and just keep creating, see what happens. So you're a full, you're a full time. Would you you say you're an engineer? Yes. Or? Yeah. So I record people. Yeah. Yeah. I record singers, rappers. I mix and master, and yeah, I I make the music. We get it from their brains out into what you hear. But do you do you produce the songs then, or is then what's the Not difference between like an engineer and a producer then? So a producer, there's <laughs> the problem is there's the title producer is in multiple industries and it means a lot of different things. So you can be a music producer, which can mean um, coming up with musical concepts. It can also kind of be the same as like a composer. Those are very similar. Mm -hmm. But a beat maker is also synonymous with producer. So that's why it's kind of confusing. Um, But I would say I'm a full-time engineer. So my job is to record people. So you... So you're mainly at, you said, what is it, Meet? Meet Street and Ruby Room Recordings. So both pretty much the same amount of time. And really then, Ruby a little more. And how did you get connected with the Ruby Room? So I knew Elon. Elon was one of my first studio sessions. When I was in college, I had a final. And I had this song that I was working on, and I did make the beat for it. It's on my first project, The Beginning. Um, and my final was to mix and master a song. Or not master, but just to mix it. And so I needed stems and I didn't want to record it at my house. So I hit up Elon and was like, yo, can we record this? And um, and we did. And I was like, okay, send me the stems because then I'm going to mix them for my final. And um, yeah, so that's how we had that relationship for a while. And then in the residency in 2019, my last year. Oh, he teaches there. Yes, he taught. He taught that year. And I was um, an intern. So basically I worked with him and the other um, students and we made beats together like all day. It was really cool. Shit. So yeah. Do engineers like have a roster of who they like work with? Like, who's your favorite Sometimes. artist that you've worked with? That's such a hard question. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many. And tell and... me the ones you hate. Let's, uh, let's, let's cancel no, these. No, I can never. Um, they know who they are. They know the ones I love. They know I love them. <laughs> I talk about them all the time. Mm. Um, my favorite off the top, I would say. He's not here right now, but Markel, Markel Music, he's incredible. He's in L.A. currently. Um, Charles Zade, love him to death. He's here in Seattle. Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, Anna, Anna Therese, she's incredible. She's also a violinist. She be Mm. cutting up. I love her. I've been, like, shipping her around to all my sessions and my other clients. Like, hey, you need violin? Cough, cough, call Anna. So she's incredible. Um... There's so many. That's There's crazy. So many. I've never heard of those are three people I've never heard I of. I can give you a whole list. You'll have some homework <laughs> <laughs> if you want it. <laughs> are there uh, specific artists you're working with or looking at that you see like an upward trajectory with that you like that are about to pop or something? I honestly, you know, it's hard to say that because of the landscape of music, especially here in Seattle. I feel like we really lack infrastructure, especially for R&B specific artists or singers and 
like like I said, the, the the infrastructure is just really not there to support them. So I'm not sure that like popping is necessarily the right terminology, but mm. I definitely see super potential in pretty much everyone I work with, but especially like Charles Zade. I think he just there's something about him that I'm like that's gonna that's gonna work. So do you work with like mostly R&B artists then? Mostly, yeah. I work with rappers as well, but um, yeah, mostly mostly singers. I'm also a vocal producer, and so basically I tell people what to sing while we're recording. So like, they come in with their lead and their track, and they're like, okay, this is my song. And then once we get to the end of it, they're like, what's next? And I'm like, let's put some background vocals. Let's you know, give it some more sauce, give it some more seasoning. Um, so that's when I come in. I'm like, okay, sing this note. We're going to do it in this rhythm. Mm. Try this. And then we go back and forth. We bounce off of each other basically until the song is done. Um, so that's why I like working with singers because then we can do harmonies and fun stuff like that. And are you like self, you're self-taught for yes. all this stuff? Mm-hmm. So like, do you know how to like look at music? What is it? The vocal key range and all that? Like, do you look at it like that way? What do you mean? Like, how you know, do I like, you know, determine? Like, I'm singing in C minor or, or whatever. <laughs> like, can you break music down like that? Or I'm not mu- I'm not musically trained to read music, but I I know my scales like on the piano, that kind of stuff. But like when you're singing, you know, like how someone will be like, sing in this minor or key for me for mm-hmm. the song. Can you tell like Can you tell your uh, clients how to do that? Essentially, it's not that precise because I use basically I'm trained by my ear. So what I hear, I can hear what belongs there. Mm. And if I have a piano in front of me, I can find the scale and I can say, oh, this is in C minor. And then I'll be like, "Okay, these are the notes in the scale. You can't sing anything other than these notes Mm. in the scale. And that's how I kind of tell them what to sing and guide them in the song. So your ears are like how you make your money then? Yes, literally. Do you have to be like cautious about listening yes. to music loud and all that? Yes. If you see me out, I most likely have earplugs on. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's fuck? been a recent thing. Are they like neon, like those weird neon No, they're not like stuff. super crazy. <laughs> I actually need to get some more though. They have some that look cool though. They look like earrings. I'm about to get those. Because oh. <laughs> I, I know my friend Alex, like I like listening to my music in the car really yeah. loud. And it'll be like halfway loud and it'll be like, this can is you too tr- loud. Yeah, can you turn that shit down? Honestly, I mean, I still do listen loud. I just, especially at like concerts, if I'm like outside on the street, I either try to have like my AirPods in or something to protect my ears because mm. it only takes one loud instance and you can lose your hearing and Wait, you can't when, get it when back. When you say ear- AirPods are worse for your ears, it's like it's directly in your ear. That's true. I mean, like not playing music. So like <laughs> literally just AirPods? to block it. I do use them for music though. <laughs> I just bought AirPods to block out noise. <laughs> I'd be so Pretend bougie. like I'm busy. Right. What happened to? I guess AirPods replaced the the Bluetooth guys. You know? Oh gosh! What you doing, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> you'd, like, you'd always think they're talking to you, but they're <laughs> they on their Bluetooth. <laughs> no, I'd be seeing them. The old heads, they still got Bluetooth. <laughs> they do. Or the um, they're faithful. Those p- people who have uh, the phone case thing on the side of their belt loop. Oh, man. The holster yeah, for the your holster. phone. <laughs> all... I feel like that is definitely like an over 40 thing. Yeah. Hey, I do Maybe that. Maybe over 50. I'm just kidding. You no, do it? No. Do you? No. I was going to say, well, you're, you're an exception. <laughs> <laughs> so have you performed since the pandemic? Or? Heck yeah. Really? Yes. I'm doing a crap ton <laughs> yeah. of shows. Oh, yeah. Well, you just performed. What yes. am I talking about? Yes. You it's performed okay. with Rel. Yes, no, I did. Yeah. At Re- with Rel, yep, at Barboza. That was that's dope. It was really dope. It was wonderful. How are you feeling about COVID? 
Um, I feel good about it. I'm vaxxed. I'm ready for the booster. Shoot me up. Really? Light me up. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> it is a little nerve wracking at venues because like the whole point is for people to scream back at you. And, you know, with the airborne virus, it's not the most reassuring. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also with people having masks on, it makes crowd participation a little wonky. But oh, it's yeah. been really fun, though. Honestly, like all the shows we've done have been pretty successful. Um, Rel and I, the first show we did together was at Clockout. We almost sold it out we were like a few tickets from selling out um and it was like a 280 person cap so that was like whoa okay we can kind of do this we should keep doing this mm-hmm. um and then the covid restrictions literally hit right after that so yeah. since then it's been tricky but it's it's been good honestly i can't complain yeah i didn't even know people had to have masks on during a even if they're vaccinated yeah in venue. yeah if you're in the audience unless you're like drinking something oh, but honestly People, you know how it is. People just take them off. Like, there's not a security guard, like, at prom, you know, when people were twerking on each other. They oh. come with a flashlight. It's not like that. Like, people right. aren't like, put your mask on. Like, it's very lax. So so during COVID, has it affected, like, who wants to come to your studio to record, though? A little bit. Um, I mean, thankfully, thank God, it really wasn't too bad. I've only had... Like one person say like, oh, I was in contact with someone who was infected. Make sure you guys all get tested. And we all got tested and everyone was negative. So um, and then I had like one session that was canceled because same thing. They were exposed. Um, But other than that, thankfully, we have had no infections. No one has gotten sick. Um, No one in our circles have passed away. So I'm just so thankful for that because not everyone is that fortunate. You got any conspiracies, though? Like, do you think we're (laughs) do you think we're over the hump or do you think this is still? A long way to go. No, we got a long way to go. Because I think, well, the thing is, it's like the virus works on by feeding on bodies. It needs a host, right? So if the virus dies in a body that's vaccinated or it struggles to survive, that's cool. But if there's a bunch of bodies that are unvaccinated, it's just going to keep hosting and feeding on those bodies that are not protected. So also that leaves room for mutant strains to get stronger and then affect people who are vaccinated so that's why we got like a a b c d what what are we on lambda yeah lambda yeah we're and it's probably further than that you know like there's so many new strains and but i i do feel though um especially here in seattle i think we are on somewhat of an upper trend it seems like the numbers have been going down a bit yeah um so i feel good about it like i'm i'm really hopeful that we'll just keep going towards people being protected and being safe mm-hmm. it's sticky though do you have any goals for like the the r&b scene here in seattle like do, i feel like hip-hop and maybe bands are the majority of the scene yeah here in seattle that's very true i my hope is that the culture changes in i just want to raise the standard raise the bar i don't want to sound cocky when i say that but a lot of times i when i've gone to shows people are like singing over their tracks like mm. over their entirely produced mastered tracks and i'm like what's happening here you know like we're here to watch you sing live so i really hope that people bring back or there's a rise of artists who get on stage with a full band and just sing a whole set like so you have a a full band now i do yes i i play with so the band their name is mock 10 but i usually depending on the gig we don't have the entire band or members are switched out things like that um but yeah i play with like church guys and did you meet them through the collective or through church? <laughs> oh, so you currently go to church? Yes, I'm also a choir director. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, church really taught me how to sing. I I should have said that a while ago. So you're like, hey, amen. Hey, yes, hallelujah. Is mm-hmm. it a is it a black church you go to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's majority okay. black. It's called New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. It's in Kent. 
Okay. Is yeah. it is that a, so black churches are still a thing? Is they that, are. They are, yeah. It's pretty big though. It's like I can't say the cap. I want to say it's like 500, maybe more. Hmm. Mm, it's big. I am not going to It's not a mega church, but it's definitely a medium-sized church. It's pretty large. I haven't been to church since I was like 7 oh, yeah? or something. <laughs> you probably you probably have like family members or church goers that thought it was like the end of the world with COVID, yes right yeah i mean we did i mean we were oh. still minister like we kept going and everything switched and we had the live stream before covid mm -hmm. so it wasn't like what are we gonna do but like a lot of small churches just died and oh shit really yeah like really small churches a lot of them especially if they were hit with covid especially the ones that were stubborn and decided not to get vaccinated or to just keep having services with no masks like yeah, they took they took a hit. I keep hearing stereotypes that it's like black people that don't want to get vaccinated, but like all my friends that are black have gotten vaccinated. Mine are too, but you know what I mean. There are some. There are some. I mean, there's even people at my church that are just like they won't get vaxxed, and so they just watch online and they won't come back. What is that? Um, I, do you have Reddit? Um, I I'm aware of Reddit, but I don't use it. I love a lot. Reddit. That's actually how some of my podcast videos blow up. Really? On Reddit. That's cool. So. Reddit can be a dark place. Though. Yes, so from what I know. <laughs> I, uh, I follow this Reddit. I forget who told me about it, but I follow this Reddit page called the Herman Cain Award. Do you know who Herman Cain is? No, educate me. He was a, fuck, I'm going to butcher. I don't know much about him. It's okay. He's like a, he was like a politician that passed away from COVID oh, during COVID. Dang. That's <laughs> you know, it was like a, it was a huge thing. Really? But um, I think, yeah, it was, I forget. I think. It was when Trump was in office. It was a mm. huge thing. I'm completely butchering it. So, but was basically, like anti-vaxxer or something. I, or? I'm pretty sure he was. Okay, but don't quote me on that. It, <laughs> it was a, it was a huge thing. Really? I'm just not a political guy. But anyways, yeah. this Reddit thread's called the Herman Cain Award. Oh gosh! So it literally like people post every single day about like people who are anti-vaxxed who end up getting COVID and shit. And I'm like, holy! F it's a crazy it's a crazy thread to follow. But Man, it'll be like. George wasn't George was an anti-vaxxer <laughs> on whatever October 1st he posted fuck fuck vaccinations <laughs> and then on October 31st or whatever that's Halloween it wasn't this recent okay <laughs> yeah but, it's an example but, but he's like George is in the hospital praying uh, praying <laughs> begging for the vaccine yeah, you know what I mean this yep. shit like that yep but those are crazy. I see stuff like that on like Facebook sometimes. I'm not on Facebook too much, but when I go, when you mean, I, you mean when, Meta? Now? Meta. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm upset. I only use Facebook for um, Facebook Marketplace. Really? Yeah, I use it to like keep in touch with my family. Oh. That's like because they don't have Instagram, like the older ones, or like just to update people who may not be on the other platforms. But I do not scroll. I'm looking for a chair on Facebook Marketplace right now. Oh yeah, what I kind found, of chair? I found this chair right here. Oh, I can't cute. see it for free outside Come the on, studio. Free? You know, like wow. so. I'm like, if I can find that, it's a leather chair. It's a nice chair. That's a nice chair. So if I can find that chair for free, what could you find for like twenty bucks? Yeah. So I've been looking for like three months because I'm very picky. Wow. Because I want a cool. <laughs> I want to. It's, it's not gonna. No one's gonna really see the chair. It's just like for my desk at you home. You need to know. Yeah, and I don't want <laughs> I don't want to go all out and get like a gaming chair. Yeah, but those I want, are really I want extreme. A nice chair. Hmm. Do you try like offer up? I have, yeah. but I don't know. I'm very picky on random things. <laughs> but then when I find a deal, I find a deal. I was. Do you know? Do you know who Top is? He works with like no, you know Novi. Yes, I know Novi. He, he's he's Novi's stepbrother. I just learned oh, that what? today. What? That's yeah. crazy. I think I do know who you're talking about. I just had him on the podcast, and I was telling nice. him I got these pants 
They're Adidas. They're very basic, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But I've been wanting them for like five years. That's a long time. Yeah, and they're usually like sixty bucks, and I'm like, I'm only going to spend ten dollars on these. Dang. It you... took me five years, but I found them for eight dollars. I'm crying. You spoke it into existence. Yeah. That's some serious manifestation, dude. I waited. I saw them all over the place <laughs> at different stores. Five years. I wish I had that kind of dedication <laughs> for anything. Well, no, I can't say that. You got that with music, I was going to say, no, that's why I I took it back immediately. I was like, no, I got that. But still, for some pants, that's real. Yeah. So how how do you (laughs) feel about you as a a black woman in the music scene? Not even just Seattle, just like the music world. I do feel like a unicorn. Okay. I do. (laughs) um, It took me a long time to get to that point because, I mean, I just feel like for so long I've battled imposter syndrome feeling like, oh, I'm not really good enough or like I really don't know everything about music I'm not classically trained I self-taught whatever whatever but seeing the fruits of my labor and seeing how it's affected other artists and benefited them and um and seeing that I literally have made a whole career off of it I think I can now say confidently that I'm really proud of myself and as a black woman I feel like I want people to see me to know that they can do it. Not because I I absolutely don't want to be famous. I have no interest in fame. Really? None. No. I want to be notorious, but I don't want to be famous. What's the difference between, isn't notorious usually bad? No, (laughs) it can can be, or it could be good. I mean, you know, like people are like, oh, she's notorious for that. And, And sometimes it's a good thing. Like, oh yeah, she's notorious to, create crazy background vocals like that's mm-hmm. what i want how i want people to speak about me but also in a way of like yes you should call her because she can help you do xyz or she knows someone who knows someone who that kind of thing like i don't know i just want i want black girls to know that they can do literally whatever they want and in music there is room for them and do you want to stay in seattle no, I want to leave very badly. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna leave your <laughs> I mean, church I don't want to like <laughs> just dip out forever. When I say I want to leave, I want to have work opportunities outside of Seattle, but I want to live here still. You want to expand your horizon? Yes, I really do. I mm. want to go to like Chicago. It's really been calling me for a while. Why? I don't know why, why Chicago? You don't know why? I don't. I mean, I, there's a few artists that I follow there that I think are really incredible, but other than that, I. I used to go there as a kid like mm. we danced and there was a um, tap dance yes a tap festival oh yeah fancy yeah it was real fancy <laughs> it was cool <laughs> it was called um, the Chicago Human Rhythm Project yes and so we would go every summer and we did that for like five years and so I always loved the city I had a great experience but now I want to go for music so yeah I actually love Chicago I haven't been to Chicago but a lot of a few of my guests are from Chicago yeah like Boathouse he's like a dope producer from nice. Chicago, Noah Sims. There's a lot nice. of, like, if you ever need any connections to Chicago. Help me out. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. So what about, what about in the Seattle scene? Do you think there's uh, sexism or racism in Heck Seattle? yeah. Really? Totally. In music? Bro, I cannot tell you. My first studio session I ever got called to, literally, the person, they texted me. They were like, hey, we need some vocals. Can you pull up? I'm like, yeah, sure. I get there. No one speaks to me. Nobody. There's like five of them. They're just, oh, yeah, bro. Oh, yeah. They literally, I'm like, as close as I am to you, that's like, they're like right here. They, the person who texted me walks past me hmm. multiple times. The artist who's the session it is, he walks past me multiple times. No one speaks to me. After like 40 minutes, I just left. Really? That was like my first in real in-studio experience as being like, 
called professionally, if you will. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, this is not cute. I got to do this myself. Like, that was another note. And even one of my, also my first experiences um, in the residency, I tell the story all the time. Um, we were at lunch and... With Macklemore, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't there that day. <laughs> um, we were at lunch and... Um, there was like maybe I'm trying to remember the number maybe seven or eight women in the whole program and this is like out of like 40 people maybe 50 um, Lexi Lalani's part of that Lexi was part of it Lexi. yep she was there that year that's my girl I love her she has an incredible voice do you know Nestra yes I know I Nestra Nestra's my guy yeah he was in my first year 2017 that was my guy yes um, but yeah so and then the producers were like working on their beats and we were just writing and one of the producers was like how do you make beats for girls and we all turned <laughs> around like what did you really just literally I went home I don't know I think that moment was supposed to happen like I literally was like how to make beats like angrily and uh, just... you said how to make beats for girls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what is a girly beat you know and that just showed me so much. And I, I, again, I can't tell you how many sessions I've been in where people just don't speak to me. Like, really? they literally will walk past me because I'm a girl. And they Do you think assume, it's a per purposeful thing? No, I think they just, if they don't know you, they assume you're either somebody's girlfriend or you're like not part of whatever's going on. So you're just not spoken to. I have some weird, I'm not going to be specific, but I have some <laughs> weird stories where like, yeah. I'll try to like a, a, like an artist will bring on like a, a girl to the studio yeah and i'll be like hey do you want her to be on camera too and yeah like, no what the i'm like right oh, and you're like i'm okay, like so then... that, does that mean you guys are dating or what, what like what, what is this <laughs> right <laughs> like you're gonna bring them to an interview but you don't want them on camera i feel like that's, that's kind of sus it's hella sus <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on i had a i'm like <laughs> i'm not gonna say a name for this either but i had this um one of my favorite guests <laughs> he like i've been listening to his music forever had mm -hmm. him on twice did my LA tour and he brought this girl to the interview mm -hmm. and like they like I said hi and everything but like yeah. they, no one really acknowledged her and she was like basically curled up on his lap like a fucking cat oh my during God. the interview and I was like so do you just want me to crop her out so <laughs> just, just <laughs> can I move the camera that is so weird like when rappers bring girls to interviews like I have no idea you what don't to know do. what to expect no you just don't and that's why I want to change the culture. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's some fucking weird shit. It's just weird. And it's like, why does it have to be like this? It yeah. just, it shouldn't have to. And yeah, it's really weird. And I have, I, even some of the rappers I work with, they, sometimes they bring their girlfriends. I mean, most of them don't, but there's like one or two. And I'm just like, hey girl. And they're like, hey. I'm like, all right. And he's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't speak. <laughs> no, it's not like that. But, but I'll, I'll give yeah. an example of, I feel bad about this. This is definitely just me being... I was excited for an interview. When, this is another LA trip story. Mm -hmm. So when I did my tour, I had Nacho Picasso on and Kina nice. Yada. Okay. And um, I had booked an interview. Look, the, the scheduling got all mixed up on the mm. tour. And I forgot that I had booked an interview like right afterwards. And Dang. Nacho came like 30 minutes late. So Dang. the interview actually ended up being like an hour and a half. Whoa. So one of my guests came into the studio oh man and i didn't realize he was there i waved to him uh -huh. but i didn't i didn't recognize that it was my guest yeah so he was there for like an hour oh my god and then just got up and left i was like oh damn that's how you feel bro whoa he wasn't even like i'll wait or yeah he didn't like, come back or anything no dude because i i talked i ran through his session his interview for an hour yeah so i was like oh fuck so damn. i wonder if that like how you felt you just 
I don't you're know. just waiting for your studio time and then just like <laughs> yeah basically they just kept on talking and then you just leave <laughs> but that was i mean i felt so bad yeah, though like of. i had to call him and like it was a terrible person oh. like first but i i I'll hold on to that forever i was like fuck. Man. but that's that was something out of your control though you know yeah and you apologize they never said anything oh, you know so shit. it was just like i don't know what was going on but and but i also feel though i wasn't ready so boo you can't say that i wasn't though at that time so no one's gonna talk to you because you're not ready <laughs> i'm not excusing oh, what they did yeah, i'm just saying though like in hindsight though i think i i wasn't ready and i'm and i'm glad that i had that experience because again it just made me get better it made me think okay well i'm gonna get so good that they won't even think about calling me because or i hear I, I, I hear a lot of things about like artists ask girls to just be like background vocals yeah oh yeah sing the lead free or something sing the hook and go home <laughs> sing the hook sing the hook with me over me singing horribly and go home mm. and that's what we're expected to do Damn. So. and how do you how do you change that you do more you do it yourself oh. <laughs> unfortunately i mean until they reach out to you until they and reach then out like, to you do this hook <laughs> and i'm gonna put free. as many background vocals as i want and i'm gonna charge my price mm. that's how you do that i Damn. think do you need do you think there needs to be like a like a seminar on how to be a successful female artist and <laughs> that's very specific um i do think yes i think that's that's another thing of like infrastructure though because yeah. even the colleges in this area there's not too many programs that are like music focused there's no even real money like behind mm -hmm. educating people about music unless it's like private like jazz lessons yeah or... so it's more for like actual like musicians right trained musicians but as like a background vocalist or even um even just a vocalist there's like cornish and that's like it and mm -hmm. everybody can't afford forty thousand dollars a year you know so fuck yeah it's crazy even recording like i was there was a time where my parents were just like you either need to work or go to school and i was really in between like i was working but a lot of it was for free because you know i was just figuring out what i wanted to do and catching my footing and there was a school that I found but it was like $12,000 it was either $12,000 a year and the other one was 24 for two years so the same price mm. and they're just like we can't pay that and I'm like okay so what do you want me to do like this is what I know I'm good at and thankfully they were just patient and I never I didn't like ask them for money or anything it's not like I was down that bad you know like I played my cards right but um I just I think of other people like everybody doesn't have it like that. Everybody doesn't have parents who are able to allow their kids to just stay at home and learn what they want to do for a year. Connect with the pop scene. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got them studios in their basements. Their moms got studios and full blown. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I always try to think of things in terms of like accessibility and just the whole the whole spectrum, you know. So so how do you succeed in like? the seattle music scene is it network for your life but are, do you think there's people that could like help make your, like actually make your career in seattle yeah or do you think you have to like you reach a cap and then you have to leave no i think you can make a career in seattle i think people like elon and nima are perfect examples of that i mean they have just they have recorded everybody who's anybody just about in the scene for the past 20 plus years and They've sustained themselves, con consistently upgraded. I mean, they just moved to Georgetown um, a little over a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean. During, wasn't it during the pandemic? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was 2020. And because I remember when they were in Shoreline and then they moved. And um, it's just, see you know, seeing like, yes, they have 
plaques and things like that and Grammys and all that stuff. But the fact that they've sustained themselves through working with local artists is a testament to how you can do it. Like it's very doable, but you have to make a business plan and figure out how to sustain that. And I think they've done that very well. How do you sustain yourself? Me personally? Um, Like I said, networking, like literally being in everybody's Praying to the Lord. Yeah, praying to the Lord. No, for real. <laughs> God has sustained me through all of this. I don't care if you think I'm crazy for singing to the sky. I don't. Somebody's up there helping me because I couldn't have done it on my own. And literally, I want to quit. Like every month, there's a mm. point where I just I'm like I don't know if I can do this. And somehow a way is made, and it and it just works. You know. So. And wait. So I'm. So you got into music from your church background? Is that what's I'm um, trying to understand kind of where you like you're trying to see how I really got into it. We don't have to, I've, I don't want to be like, I feel like there's so many <laughs> probably interviews and like, how exactly? How, how exactly? But like, I, it really, honestly, it was really dance. I mean, and even since a kid, I've always loved music. I, but you were in church when you were a kid. Yes. On and off. Okay. Very on and off. I didn't start going faithfully until I started going on my own in high school. Oh. And my mom kind of stopped going. And I mean, not like she wasn't like, ah, I don't believe it. She was just like busy and stuff. And I kind of just found God on my own and I was listening to gospel music and that was like, whoa, what is this crazy music with these harmonies? All these people are singing together. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. And that really drew me back. And I was like, whoa, Jesus kind of lit. (laughs) And And I kept going. And can you still tap dance? A little bit. I mean, I do sometimes. (laughs) I didn't even know tap tap dancing was still a thing. It is. It's a very, it's a, it's a thing. It's it's a thing. There's um this duo. Their name is Chloe and Maude, and mm-hmm. I think they're one of the biggest tap entities, if you will, right in now. Seattle? Um, no, they're not okay. from here. No, no, absolutely not. But they um Pamela is it, is it competitive tap dancing? It's very competitive because it's so it's such a niche sport, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are there is one of the dancers in their group called Syncopated Ladies. Her name is Pamela Yasutake. She was my dance teacher. Mm-hmm. She's from Seattle born and raised and they are like doing movies they're like they've opened for beyonce like they've done a lot of really big things so opening as a tap dancer for beyonce yes i mean i don't know if they were like the full opener but they they danced at her show i saw the footage and everything hell yeah so yeah they're they're really big and they're super incredible they're like olympians of tap damn yeah it's cool so so what's what's next for you i know you you recently dropped a product was that 2020 or 2021 that was this august this past august so 2021 so are you still just trying to promote the your project yeah what's what's up for you um i really i want to tour that's Mm -hmm. like my next large goal if you will um and maybe not even on my own but like even as a background vocalist i would love to tour um excuse me i sing in church i sing in the ensemble as well as direct so i started in the ensemble directing is very new this is a new thing this like it's like not even that often it's like once a quarter so moving up in the world moving up in the world getting promoted whatever (laughs) um but singing in the ensemble is something i just love so much and it literally forced me to mature musically because having to learn five songs that you've potentially never heard in two weeks <laughs> enough to perform it live twice and not mess up is crazy and yeah. you have to know all the words you have to know when to come in you have to know the structure of the song you have to know if the director just says oh i feel the spirit let's invert up you take the next part above you you have to just know and mm. catch it and so that really like made me fall in love again with singing live again and um 
I want to do that like around the world. And then how did how do you find your voice actually also? Because church, <laughs> literally. So, but will people in church tell someone that they suck at singing? Um, not so much. No, but I would definitely say that the way that we do it, there there's not really a way that anyone could really suck and like. Mm really get there if that makes sense i don't know i mean well i did have to audition initially but it didn't really count in the end i mean <laughs> and like we all know each other so like the director her name is jane she's also a phenomenal singer she does a lot of like just she sings like 13 coins restaurants things like that like longer gigs um she just knew she knew me obviously i was like her choir baby and she was like we need ensemble members do you want to join i'm like heck yeah i want to be there so so, yeah. so when you perform, is it at like a Numos Barboza type thing or do you ever perform at like restaurants? Or Not so much. It usually has been almost all venues up until now. Because I think it's interesting that bands perform at restaurants, but yes. like R&B, hip hop, pop don't do that. They, exactly. Like there's no, that's what I'm trying to kind of break through is like, I think those things need to mesh. Like I feel like, um, it feels like there's two separate scenes in R&B. There's like, like you said, the Barboza, the Numos, the people who kind of have a DJ and they sing to their tracks and that's kind of it, you know, and maybe they'll have like some live percussion, um, maybe a little guitar, you know, but nothing crazy. And then there's like the corporate gigs who are like full entire bands playing weddings, things like that, you know, like I feel like artists should be playing weddings. Like yeah. that should be a thing. Yeah. Back to my grandma, actually. Um <laughs> She she was telling me that she was she's she lives in like a retirement community mm -hmm. and um she always brags to me about these bands she goes to see. Oh. But these bands have like zero following, but they're yeah. making a fuck ton of money at and they're cracking. Homes. Like she went to um the other day she was she was like, I went to the central district to see this band that I've been following. Mm -hmm. Look them up. They have like no following yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. But she's like, I went to this retirement home. They were tra charging 45 bucks a ticket at a retirement home. Oh. I was like, holy shit. These guys are $45 making $45 a ticket? Yo, at they a retirement probably made like a rack. They yes. probably made like a rack each. <laughs> and it was fucking cover music and shit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. holy fuck. Bro, these cover bands. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is literally on my point. Like, I went to Vegas with my mom. We went to this club. It was called the Blue Martini. It was super cute. It was like, a bunch of older black people they were playing like all old music and this cover band same thing they had no f i looked up their band i'm like oh i want to follow them they're like 20 followers but the whole place was packed out and they were going crazy they yeah. had like one of their drummers had like five hundred thousand followers like just randomly you know and but the others the other members were just so like it's just crazy it, it blows my mind like how does how does how do we fix that like, i think it just proves that social media is fake it is <laughs> it just reinforces that point like these these like like the the um, restaurant bands mm -hmm. the, like when i think of a like you know martial law band yeah like mm -hmm. they'll perform like outside of a restaurant yeah and i'm like oh shit that's cool I do but think that's a little weird i mean that's just they got the jelly bean so that's kind of yeah. it's interesting right but like yeah. i'm saying like the bands that you think of that are like part of the scene yeah they're like Sometimes I get to go and like, of course, there's a lots of the band scene there inside restaurants. But right. Like, you'll see like someone like Martial Law, but then you'll see like a band with like no following yeah. whatsoever that's actually playing like and making wineries, yep. restaurants, coffee yep. shops, all this. I'm like, what yep. the fuck? It's all who you know. And that goes back to the fact that we have no infrastructure here because it's like there are, you know, like talent agencies and booking agencies in places like L.A. and Atlanta like there's literal companies who do this what we're dreaming about what we're trying to figure out how to connect these things mm -hmm. those are full organizations in other places but here 
it's not a thing. You just have to know somebody. But why is that, do you think? Because um, I think that, again, like, well, gentrification definitely, I think, has a lot to do with it because all the people of color are still being just pushed out of Seattle. And so. But there's white artists. Like, look at Matt. That's true. There's a lot of white artists. But I also think that, like, especially specifically talking about R&B and hip hop, if everyone's spread out, how will we even know about each other? How will we mm. even connect enough to even... So we look like you know? a monolith. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And then also, I mean, <laughs> white people put money behind what they like. They like Macklemore. So that's where the money's going, you know? So hmm. I don't know. Maybe we need a, we need a white savior. <laughs> no, God. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I think we just need to continue. Keep going. I think we need to tell people. I think if we know people who are in other cities, we need to tell them. Like, hey, black there's people music. Aren't a monolith. Black people are not a monolith. <laughs> they are here and they're in Seattle and they're making incredible music. And um, yeah, I think people need to stop skipping over our city. Every time people go on tour, Seattle be missing almost i feel like every uh, time shit. yeah and i mean not every time there are a lot of people who come here on tour but it's not enough you know like i think climate pledge arena is going to change that climate pledge arena oh, yeah <laughs> i don't know we have a lot to work on but i oh, think it's exciting so much and i'm happy that you were on the podcast thank you i haven't i i didn't even realize i haven't had many r&b artists on. yeah because a lot of the r&b artists i know are also hip-hop artists. yeah so. yeah but I feel like there is there is definitely a there is a difference. Like there I feel is. like it does get a lot of R and B music is just thrown in as hip hop R and B. Right. But there is a genre that's just R and B. There is. There's crossover. Like I said, if you need a list, I can please. Do that. I, I'd love to. I've been I've been incorporating every genre: Heck pop, yeah. bands, com- comedy, hip hop. So easy. I got you. There we go. <laughs> so, what is some uh, final advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, <sighs> influencers? I'd say, trust in yourself. Trust your talent um get better like dedicate your time to increasing your capacity for learning dedicate your time to just just getting better ask your friends hey have i made progress like ask people around you for criticism and take it and if you don't want to do that criticize yourself Mm -hmm. and but also like encourage yourself and love yourself through the process and just be stubborn. Be so stubborn that it hurts. And I think you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be a little crazy to be successful. No, actually. <laughs> I can vouch for that. You got to be crazy. There we go. Yep. And what's the easiest way for people to reach you? Um, Anywhere. Social media. Talaya.music. T-A-L-A-Y-A. And don't forget the period. There we go. <laughs> this is the NAS podcast with... Talia, thanks for having me. And we did it. We did it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.